The prophet Amos is such a fascinating character. In that first reading that we just heard, he's basically saying to that priest of Bethel, Hey, look, I'm not a professional prophet here. I'm not part of some polished company of prophets. I'm just a shepherd. I'm just a dresser of sycamore trees. Everything that you see and hear from me, that's all God's work. I didn't ask for this. I didn't volunteer to be the bearer of this difficult message. I'm not cut out for this. But then God called. Then the Lord crashed into Amos's life and said, Go and prophesy to my people. I think that every man called to the priesthood of Jesus Christ up and down the centuries can probably relate in a very deep way to how the prophet Amos must feel. Almost every priest, if he's honest, when you ask him about why he decided to go off to seminary, will say something along these lines. Hey, look, I didn't ask for this. I'm only here because, well, the Lord burst into my heart and into my life. He called me. I fell in love with him. And so I was compelled by Jesus to be open to this and to explore the priesthood. I felt this mysterious urge, this little nudge, this desire that I couldn't quite totally understand. And I tried my best to resist it. But in the end, I just couldn't. I knew deep down that, well, I had to listen to him. I had to say yes to him. I know I can certainly speak for myself. I was not a professional religious guy when God first called me. Like Amos, I was in a drastically different state in life. I was a graphic designer. I was an artist. And then the Lord took me and said to me, go and prophesy to my people. Maybe this will come as a surprise for some of you, but it's actually not true that, that Catholic priests have always been professional religious church people. As if we, we picked this path because we happen to really like all that religious stuff, liturgy and chalices and, and vestments, all that is really super cool, but it's actually not why I'm doing this. Perhaps subconsciously, people will put Catholic priests into a, a little worldly box, a sort of pragmatic, utilitarian sort of box. Oh, isn't that nice that you find so much meaning in your job? Isn't it nice that you enjoy doing what you do, Father Anthony? Oh, that's so nice for you. And yet, now with one full year of priesthood under my belt, I see more clearly than ever that this ministry, this ministry of priesthood, is not just what God called me to do. This is who God called me to be. There's a huge difference in that little shift in phrase. God knows each of us. He knows you. And, and he knows what's best for you. And if you're going to say yes to maybe the priesthood, 
or maybe the religious life, or maybe the diaconate, or maybe marriage, or maybe the consecrated single life, if you are going to say yes to whatever that vocation is that God has in store for you, then that process of discernment cannot be centered on questions like, well, what am I good at? Or what do I like to do? No. Instead, true discernment of God's will has to be founded on questions more along these lines. Who am I? What does God see when he looks at my heart? What is the mission that I am being invited to take part in? Once you start asking questions like that, you're really getting somewhere in discernment. And St. Paul talks about this in our second reading this weekend. We hear him say, in him, in Jesus, we were also chosen, destined in accord with the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will. God's providence is inescapable. And then he says, so that we might exist, exist for the praise of his glory. That last line is very crucial. So that we might exist for God's praise and glory. That's why we exist. That is the heart of any vocation. It's the center of any call from the Lord. In other words, your vocation can't be just a profession. It can't just be a job, something that you do. It has to be who you are. It has to be intimately connected to the reason you exist, which is to give praise and glory to the God who loved you into existence. I think the tendency will always exist, however, and I see it especially in the priesthood, to start thinking about our vocation our mission, our calling from the Lord as just a series of tasks that we do. It's what I have to do on a daily basis. It's the way that I earn my bread. And that is so dangerous. And that is why Amos is being told by that priest, ah, just go, go do what you're doing somewhere else. Go earn your bread somewhere else. Stop bothering us. Can't you do what you're doing somewhere very far away? Father Federico Suarez, who wrote a book called About Being a Priest, says that this temptation, a temptation that he calls professionalism, can very easily slip in almost unnoticed. And by professionalism, what he means is the tendency to make the service of God and souls into a business a way of earning a living. Such a priest, he says, changes from a man with a mission into a paid religious official. Instead of serving the church, he makes the church serve him. So what happens to such a priest? What are the consequences? Well, Father Suarez minces absolutely no words. Such a man, he says, is like the living corpse of a priest. 
for he has lost all his enthusiasm and energy, his spirit of faith, and his supernatural view of the church. Yikes! That is insane. Another hero of mine, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, was very concerned about this sort of thing, this temptation to professionalism, when he asks these questions. Has administration taken precedence over evangelization? Has organization swallowed up shepherding? I sincerely hope not. And that is actually why I'm preaching to all of you about this this weekend. I'm asking you all, the people of God, beloved of our Lord, for your help. The Holy Spirit has not called us, your priests, to be distant religious officials, religious professionals. He has called us to be your supernatural fathers. You don't need a priest to be a bureaucrat. You don't need him to be a politician, a liability manager, a social worker, a psychiatrist. You do not need him to be a consummate professional. You need your priest to be Jesus for you. You need priests who point to Christ and his cross, not to themselves. You need priests who invest huge quantities of time in the chapel, praying on their knees for you. You need priests to have the fire of the gospel burning down in their bones, who can't help but let it spill out in their preaching and especially in their lives. You need priests who get vulnerable with you, who listen compassionately, who confess their sins when they fail, when, not if, who pray the liturgy reverently and by the book. You need priests who will not run away when the wolf comes to devour the flock, who do not revert to politeness and political correctness to save their own skins, who are willing to present the full gospel without ambiguity. You need priests who have tireless missionary hearts, who are never too busy to hear a quick confession or to celebrate the most holy Eucharist, who seek out wayward souls to invite them into the love and forgiveness of God. In short, you don't need professionals who happen to do priest stuff. You need priests who are priests, imperfect men who are desperately in love with Jesus and with his church. And so I ask you, hold us to that. Hold all of your priests to that beautiful, dangerous, adventurous mission. Because here's the truth. If priests are only ever treated like professional religious officials, if we're only sacramental machines, if we're only the political representatives of this worldwide organization that we call the Catholic Church, then we are going to burn out. We will slink away into our offices and our rectories discouraged and unneeded. We will become lonely and isolated, spiritually dead robots 
we will get weird. So again, I encourage you, please hold us to the radiant beauty of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Now, how do you do that? How can you help us? Well, look no further than this weekend's gospel. Because just as Jesus once sent out his 12 apostles, two by two, into the surrounding villages to be with people in their lives and call them to true repentance, so he sends his priests today. And so, please let us in. Don't be like those houses that slam the door on the apostles' faces. Don't make us have to shake the dust off our feet. So I'm going to give you all three practical ways that you can help your priests live up to that call that they've already said yes to on their ordination day. First, rely on our prayers. Invite us to offer up sacrifices for real things going on in your real lives. Give us mass intentions. Ask us to come and bless stuff for you. Cardinal Sarah says that priests and bishops are called to be, quote, constantly in the presence of God. Their lives, he says, are supposed to become a permanent liturgy. So call us deeper into prayer for you and know also how much we desperately rely on your prayers. Second, welcome us into your families. A priest's life, trust me, makes so much more sense in the context of the domestic church, the family home. Have us over for dinner, maybe. We are not too busy. We won't judge your cooking skills or your messy houses or even your loud kids. Really, we actually want to be there with you. And when we are there, please talk to us about stuff that matters, your questions, your struggles, your desires. Don't settle for the small talk about whether or, or please, no, politics, no. We want to go deep with you. As Jesus put it so simply in our gospel, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. The Holy Spirit, I believe, will inspire countless vocations and conversions in this simple, informal, beautifully human way. That is what the church is supposed to be all about. It is not a business. It's a family, the family of God. Third, allow yourself to be exhorted by your priests. Believe it or not, our homilies are actually not for your entertainment. They are a call to a higher life, hopefully the life of Jesus. If the priest's instruction, guided by the truth of the gospel, just goes in one ear, out the other, then what are we doing here? If you pick and choose which teachings you'll buy into, if you don't let the word of God penetrate you and convict you, if none of this challenges you to pursue Christ and to allow him to pursue you in a more radical way, then I hate to break it to you, but we're probably all wasting our time. This priestly ministry is a gift. 
Not just for me, not just for Father Kevin, but primarily for you, for the entire church, and by extension, the entire world. As Fulton Sheen said so well, the priest is not his own. So receive that gift. Receive the priesthood that Jesus has established in his church. Forgive us for all of the scandals and the many ways that we have betrayed your trust and maybe built up walls and maybe presented ourselves just as religious professionals. But please do not forget, Jesus is still sending his apostles out into the world. So let us in. Call us up higher. Don't let us become those religious guys just earning their bread safely. Allow us to be truly your fathers, your shepherds, your priests.